spending time with her husband, friends, family, including her 12 grandchildren. In her spare time, she connects and celebrates with the women involved in motorsports, taking you behind the wall about their journey of life, racing, and how they juggle everything to make it all work. Welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Strap in, window nets up, the pedals are down, and when the green flag drops, we go. everyone this is melinda russell with racing girls rock podcast and i'm excited today to have as my guest cindy she is the chief strategy officer wanted to make sure i got that right with penske entertainment and i know that cindy has been involved in motorsports for a while and has an interest in that area, which we all do if you're listening to this podcast. So I'm excited for her to share a little bit about herself, and then we're going to find out how she got involved in motorsports. So Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So why don't you start by just letting my listeners know a little bit more about yourself, whatever you're comfortable sharing, where you live, family, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I was actually born here, which um, has a lot to do with my love of racing, since it's the home of the racing capital of the world. Um, But um, yes, I live in Indianapolis with my husband, Gino, and we have two children, uh, a daughter and a son. Our daughter's married and gave us our first grandbaby. Um, It'll be two years ago uh, this December, and another one is on the way due in like three weeks. So we couldn't be more excited. And then my son also lives here in Indianapolis and has a longtime girlfriend and a wonderful dog. And um, we really, really enjoy getting to spend time with the kids whenever we can. It's nice that they're close by. We had a conversation. I was telling you that I have grandkids in California and Arizona and Texas and Michigan. And so having them close by is a blessing. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. So and I guess further a little bit about myself. Um, I went to, I was born in Indianapolis, as I mentioned, and moved to Vincennes, Indiana, which is the southern part of the state when I was eight and grew up there and then went to school um, in Bloomington at Indiana University Mm -hmm. and graduated from what's now called the Kelly School, the business school back then, with a degree in accounting. And I got into public accounting for a few years and went back to IU to get my MBA and then uh, worked for Eli Lilly. And uh, that led to another a number of other companies I went to work for. But I think the interesting thing to note about this is I worked for you know larger publicly traded companies my whole career until I ended up in motorsports at what was then Holman and Company and now is Penske Entertainment. That's awesome. So, you know, when don't you look back at your life and you see that step by step, everything has been for a purpose and it got you to where you are today. Would you agree with that? Totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. So I think about, you know, as a young kid, um, I have three sisters, so four girls in my family, and we absolutely loved the Indianapolis 500. 
And um, of course, we all had our favorite drivers and no one else was allowed to like your driver. <laughs> so my driver was Mario Andretti. Oh, good, um, good choice. <laughs> it was a great choice. Uh, so absolutely loved uh, racing. And then interesting, we, we went to, I went to just a few races as a kid. It was a lot of money to go to races yeah. and four kids, you know, that wasn't something we were able to do, but did get to go to practices and things like that. Um, and then when I graduated uh, from college and started in public accounting, interestingly, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was one of my clients. And of course, one of my most favorite clients. I mean, that For was sure. so much fun. And I got reconnected out there uh, at that point in time. And then um, ultimately, I ended up on the board. There's a, a not-for-profit group in Indianapolis called the 500 Festival. And it really supports and promotes the Indianapolis 500 in the month of May. And so I was on that board for six years. And um, that really, you know, we, it was so much fun. And there's a lot of events, but a lot of it includes, you know, obviously everything around the race and attending the race and all the activities and so forth. Um, so that was terrific. And then ultimately, I know you'll probably ask how I ended up at the Speedway, and I can tell you that, but um, from a background perspective, those were my different touch points with racing over the years. That's, that's awesome that they were your client. I mean, what are the chances, you know? I know, isn't that fun? It just, it, and the thing, I just so enjoyed it, and, but I never dreamed I would actually be working there someday. So it was a, a wonderful turn of events that it all worked out like that. Absolutely. So how did you end up at Penske Entertainment? <laughs> yeah, it, it's very interesting. I, um, I was the CFO of a public company called Hillenbrand, and it's in Batesville, Indiana. And if you don't know where that is, um, it's a good 75 miles uh, southwest of Indianapolis. So, and I was doing a daily commute. So I did it for six years. Um, and loved it. I went over there. They had spun off of uh, another company and they needed a CFO who had public company experience. So that's how I ended up over there. Um, and finally realized that I had done everything I wanted to do there and that the commute was a little much. Mm -hmm. So as I was looking for things, you know, what my next steps would be, um, I got a call from Mitch Daniels, who was the governor of Indiana and is now the president of Purdue. And just, you know, anyone who knows him knows he's just an amazing man, amazing leader. And he was looking for a CFO for Purdue. So I talked to him about it, but ultimately decided that wasn't the right career path for me because it would have been 75 miles <laughs> each way again, just in a different direction. Right. Um, so uh, that was hard to turn him down, by the way. He's very persuasive. But um, a few months later, he was on the board of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And a few months later, Mark Miles, who is the CEO and president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, um, well, Holman and Company at the time, now Penske Entertainment, uh, called me and said, I got your name for Mitch. I, I need a CFO. And he told me I needed to call you. So that was how that happened. Okay. So turning down one job led to another. Yeah, you know what? It was funny. I, it was about a seven-month period after I left Hill and Brand, and I I learned a lot about that. That's something as you start looking at next opportunities, something that you thought you would just love to do. The more you 
learn about it or think about it, you decide, no, that's not really it. So I, you know, I thought about a number of things and um, with my background in finance and being a CFO, et cetera, there were a lot of opportunities and never did I dream I would be going to a smaller privately owned company um, in Indianapolis in motorsports uh, right. of all things. You know, my background is, as I said, is larger companies and um, life sciences and medical devices. I have a lot of experience in those areas. So this was completely different and um, family owned company too, which was a new thing for me, but uh, best decision I ever made. Well, that's a good thing to obviously look back and say, I did do the right thing because don't yeah. we always, when we're faced with those decisions, the thing that's worse is I don't want to make the wrong decision. Yeah. And so you have to really, you know, look at everything, make a list of good, make a list of bad, all those kinds of things. And then you landed exactly where probably God wanted you to be. And so that's, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, it is. You know, it's a place where I get up every single day and I just can't wait to get in the office. I mean, it's just love the people there. We really are a family um, in many senses of, of, of the word. It's people that you absolutely love and respect uh -huh. and, um, you know, people are so supportive it, and, and it's fun. You know, let's yeah. face it, motorsports is fun. So we it all- is you know, we just have a good time. It, it's a great place to be. Yeah, that's, I mean, to me, there's no better industry than motorsports to be in. And I'm, I feel like you do. <laughs> Every day I get up and, and I think, who am I going to meet today? Who am I going to talk to today? What new contacts am I going to find that I can reach out to and tell their stories or have them on the podcast or write about them in the magazine? And Every day, I mean, I I could I can meet more people in a day than I have time. Is yeah. really what happens, and so, but I just love it, and I and they're from six year old girls to eighty five year old women, and everything in between, and it's just it's so fun, so diverse, and I I'm just so blessed to be able to do what I do. So I can tell you really love it. I do. I really do love it. So Penske Entertainment is just yeah. one piece of the Penske group. So tell me what is Penske Entertainment? What what part of the company, what do you guys do? What are you in charge of? Yeah, so I'll talk just a little bit about Penske Corporation and then I'll tell you about Penske Entertainment. So Penske Corporation is Roger Penske's um, holding company. And he owned, he has really four main businesses. One is the Penske Automotive Group. So the dealerships that you see, really, they're, they're, they're global. They're around the world. And that is a publicly traded company. And then he has Penske Truck Leasing. Mm -hmm. Many of us see the trucks on the road, you know, that people rent instead of the U-Hauls. You see Penske everywhere right. now. That's really a very small piece of his truck leasing business. It's really a, lo a logistics business. Um, okay. But that's Penske Truck Leasing. And then he has his race teams, Penske Racing. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, they race in um, NASCAR, of course, IndyCar and um, Australia. And um, then the fourth business, which he acquired in January of 2020 is us, which was the old Holman and Company and is now called Penske Entertainment. And underneath Penske Entertainment um, are three key areas. One is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. 
The other is the IndyCar Racing League. And then the third is the um, Indianapolis Motor Speedway Production Company, IMS Productions. And they do all the uh, broadcasts for our races. Okay. Wow. That's a yeah. lot to take in for sure. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. So, so interestingly, before Roger bought it, um, when I went at home, when I came to Hominy Company, um, we had a lot more pieces to the puzzle at that point in time. Holman and Company owned a lot of real estate that it had been a family owned company from 1850 on. So you wow. can imagine what one can accumulate in that amount of time. Yes. <laughs> and then Tony Holman had bought the track. They started out as a wholesale grocery business and um, diversified into baking powder at the end of the uh, 1800s. I mean, it's fascinating to read about baking powder and the baking powder wars and all the things that went on. So I won't get into that here, but it is very interesting. They did that and then ultimately um, bought the Motor Speedway in 1945. And they bought it because the track, it was after World War One or World War II, the track was completely dilapidated it needed a lot of TLC. Tony Holman knew nothing about motorsports or racing or running a racetrack, but he was a wonderful man and certainly had the financial wherewithal to, uh, to take over. And so he bought it and he just rebuilt it into, you know, what we all now know today. He literally saved it. It was going to go into a housing development was really where it was headed unless somebody took it over and he did. And so we're grateful to him. And then he owned it for 75 years till we sold it. Um, but when I came in, they also had the, the Clabber Girl baking powder I talked about, all this real estate and some other things. And so over time, I started in 2014 and we began to sell a lot of that real estate because it was non-core and um, it was costing us money rather than you know we could put that money the shareholders could put that money to better use. So we did that and then sold Clabber Girl. And then we were left with the racing business that we ultimately sold to Roger. Okay. So you were working for the company that owned the Speedway and then Penske, Roger Penske bought the Speedway and then so he bought the company. So in other words, you transferred to Penske because you were working for that company. Is that what I understand? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so when he, you know, he never does anything little or small, no. always big, no. and big and bold and wonderful. So what, what were your thoughts when you knew, you know, this has been in, in Holman's hands for 75 years. Now we're going to Penske. What were your thoughts about that? Well, I was thrilled beyond thrilled, but if we back up just a little bit, um, it was clear that it was time um, that, that another owner could provide some much needed capital and other things that could really, really help the business grow. And we all recognized that, but there's different kinds of owners and, you know, you could sell to an owner who comes in and makes great changes, but they're planning on flipping it in five right. or 10 years. Um, and this asset, it's an iconic asset to the city and the state and really to the world. It is. And I felt that way from the moment I started at Holman. And I kind of knew ultimately where things were going to end. It was pretty clear that, you know, that would be a probably a good solution for all. Um, but 
you, you have to make sure that you have the right steward. And Roger, I just, I, I can't say enough about him. I mean, he's the most incredible man. He loves that place more than anyone on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I could tell that the moment I met him, you know, he said, Tony had this for 75 years and took great care. And I plan, this is a legacy for my family and we're going to take care of it for even longer. You know, so he views it that way. Right. Um, it, it's just incredibly special. And, you know, first it had to be the exactly the right person to take that over because yeah. like you said, it, there's plenty of people in the world that have the money to do it but they don't have the passion for it right? where Roger has the finances, the resources, but more important, he has the passion for it. And so, you know, that he's going to do whatever's best to grow and continue not only the Indianapolis 500, but the IndyCar series and, and really racing in general. He, when you say Roger Penske, there isn't anybody that doesn't know that he's involved in racing, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So as you say that he does the passion and all that he has, the other thing he has is just the incredible insights into what needs to be done. He just absolutely knows. And he's made just, you know, tremendous changes and really positively impacting the operations from every aspect. Yeah. He's wonderful. And he can delve into details like you wouldn't believe it's amazing. Yeah. And really, because he's got his hands in a lot of pots to take care of. And I know he has excellent people like yourself that work for him. But another thing I've heard about him is he knows what's going on, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. He knows what's going on and he Uh cares deeply. And you mentioned people working for him. He has, that's probably one of his number one success factors is he has good people working for him, highly talented, passionate wonderful people. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you, it's such a good marriage between an owner and those people, because when, when you know that your owner's not, not invested financially, but invested, you know, personally in something, then you can't help, but feel the same way. I mean, if you're really a good employee, I would think that that would just rub off on you to where you would go above and beyond anything he would ask you to do because you're on the same path. You're going towards the same goals and not, you know, you're not in it for yourself. He's not in it to sell it and make buku bucks, but you're in it for the right reasons. And that's, I think what really impressed me when I was doing some research and, and different things. And, you know, I mentioned we, we were at the women with drive event in Nashville for an amazing event. I, I just can't say enough about the people that put it on and how well it was attended and the, the information and the people I met, I just, I'm still glowing about all of it. And, and then to be able to go to the race, which was my first indie race. Oh, was it real? That was an interesting one for your very first one. It was my first (laughs) one. And I could look out my hotel window downtown and see the cars practicing going across the bridge, which was just so freaking cool because I'm like, oh my gosh, driving across the bridge (laughs) in a car at how much miles per hour. I was like, oh, but it was really cool. And I had really good seats. I was in turn, I think it was 10 or 11 
where the big wreck happened. Oh, you got to see it. Yeah. Right where I was sitting and had great seats. And I just thought the event was amazing. The whole indie race and everything. I was just so thrilled that I was able to go there. And the fact that, you know, Nashville is now kind of becoming a hotbed for motorsports too. And that, you know, I, I did it, uh, I did a podcast with a gal who did the social media for that event. And, and, and she said, you know, they asked Mr. Penske to come down. They talked to him about it and he said, let's do it. And so, you know, to have his backing and his like, you know, let's do it meant so much to them and and it was such a cool event I I already told Sasha I'm coming back and (laughs) I want I want better seats and I want some like VIP stuff to get into some of those places yeah and so it's it's like yeah so I've you know the Indy 500 actually I was going to go to that in 2020 well that didn't happen and so then 2021, it didn't, it wasn't going to work out for me to come. So I've not been to the Indy 500 either, which I'm, you know, not that far from me. You've got to come to the Indy 500. You are so close. 20, you can, 22. I will you be contacting to. you about, yes, tell you the same thing. I, want, <laughs> I want tickets because here's the funny thing. I have cousins that live in Carmel. I call it Carmel. I know it's pronounced different ways and Greenwood. And we were all going to go in 2020 to the race. Definitely come in 2022. I'll tell you, 2019 or 2020, that was the weirdest thing. We had it in August, the first yeah. time ever. Right. That it wasn't in May when we had the yeah. race. And um, no fans. No fans. No fans. And it was so surreal. Yeah. Being at the race in that huge facility and seeing the cars and no fans. Oh my gosh. So this year we got agreement with the state that we could have 40, we could sell 40% of our reserve seats. That's it for attendance. Then on top of that, you have people who have hard cards, suites, whatever going on. Um, But it was just, you could feel it was the most gorgeous day you could possibly have Mm -hmm. had. People were just, it was right at the beginning of feeling like we're finally over this. I know. And um, just the feeling, oh, I mean, it brought tears to your eyes to see the families, you know, and the kids and and, and, and all that. And then Elio <laughs> winning was just, yeah. I mean, it really it was a storybook day. It was stunning. It, it was. And I, I watched all of it on television thinking, I can't wait to be there because People that have been there have told me that the race is awesome, but it's everything else that surrounds it that really is what you really want to be a part of. It's true. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest things is being in in, at the track with 300,000 plus people, every seat is filled and it just the excitement and oh my gosh and then you know all of the events that go on around it and the tribute to our military and yeah you know all of those things it's just beautiful and wonderful but it's there's just nothing like being I mean that's the largest sporting event on the planet right it's really something and you know you can't even explain those feelings to anybody not just there but you know I talked to a lot of women that think 
racing maybe is for their husband or their boyfriend and they haven't been to a race because they think it's not for women. And I say to them, go one time, just either your short, your local short track, a big event, go to an NHRA or NASCAR, IndyCar, whatever it might be, just go one time because the smells, the sounds, the atmosphere, the people that you meet, you cannot bottle that and, and share it with somebody unless they experience it. And I cannot imagine being in a crowd with 300,000 people and they, they start that race. I just, I, the drivers, they'll tell you that it's just, they can't even describe how it feels to them. You know, it's just, it, it kind of carries them all year until the I'm next sure. season. They know they get to do it again. Yeah. Oh, I'm um, sure. Because it's just, like you said, it's the largest sporting event in the world. Uh-huh. And it's right in our backyard. It's literally in your backyard. And yeah. it's only four hours from me. So yes. Yeah. 2022. I have that on my calendar already. I'm working on my 2022 calendar. So glad to hear that. Bring yeah. lots of friends. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, my cousins I know are going to want to be there. So we'll figure that out. But um, so fun. So, so Penske Entertainment, what exactly then would they be in charge of? Like, are they in charge of the things that go on around the race are they in charge what what exactly yeah so Penske Entertainment um we have those three different groups and all in general Penske Entertainment because that's who I work for we have people who work for Penske Entertainment kind of the overall umbrella company and then there's people who work for the Motor Speedway who work for IndyCar or work for the production company okay um and so the people that work for Penske Entertainment are what you would think. It's the people who are kind of overseeing the three different companies or adding, doing functions that support the three different companies, whether it be, you know, HR or um, something along those lines. Okay. And then Mark Miles oversees all, yeah. all of them. And we haven't had a, a chance to talk a lot about him yet, but he is absolutely amazing. And um he was terrific. I mean, when he was recruited in back at the end of 2012, there were a lot of things that needed fixed and and addressed. And just what he was able to do is amazing. And he assembled a great team and ultimately the sale to Roger. And then, you know, to see him, I mean, he, he, Roger just absolutely loves Mark and um, he's just, you know, still continuing to this day to do great things. Um, so then underneath that, like at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the people there are really doing all the work to either support the events or to make sure the facility, so you have, you can imagine the facilities group that mm-hmm. has to take care of that massive, you know, right. thousand acres that we have around the campus um, and everything that goes along with that. You have the people who sell the tickets, you have yeah. the client service people, um, you have the people who sell um suites and sponsorships for the events we have the operational people who make sure every event runs like it should we have marketing people you know just all of those things that you would think about and then the support staff you know finance and it and um, right hr and so forth yeah yeah wow and then you'll see a similar thing at indycar and imsp so they just focused on what they're doing so, you know, one thing that's interesting when you mention all those different areas that are needed to support 
this one company. Right? Yeah. And so a lot of times when I talk to young, more, more young girls, because younger girls want to be the next NASCAR driver or the next NHRA champ or the next IndyCar driver, we need some more women in IndyCar, by yeah. the way. Um, and so we know that being that driver is really difficult. You don't need just the talent to be able to drive those cars at those speeds on those different kinds of tracks, but you need the sponsorship behind you and you need to be what I call the total package. You need to be able to talk to sponsors. You need to be able to represent them in a good way. You need to be able to represent your team and all these things. There's women out there that are more than capable, but it's very difficult for them to get where they need to be or where they want to be. And so what I try to say to girls is, you know, the plan B, plan A is always to be the driver. That's your goal. That's what you want to do. Plan B is what else do you like to do? Because motorsports has so many opportunities in so many areas that a lot of young girls and even young women don't even think about. They don't realize that <laughs> Penske yeah. Entertainment has an HR group. They have a track, they have somebody doing travel. They have marketing, they have social media, they have accounting, they on and on. It's yeah, and people all, all the graphs. I mean, it's just like any other large business. They have to have all those people to support it. So I encourage women, if you're, if you love accounting, I was an accounting person. If you love numbers and you love when it all comes out to zero at the bottom, then you might want to be, get your accounting degree and look where you might be able to work. Maybe right. you like photography, whatever it might be. So the things that you just mentioned, those are hundreds of different kinds of jobs that women yeah. can be involved in and still be involved in motorsports. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's with the teams. Right. So the teams have many of those same jobs. If they're big enough, they're going to need to have sure. HR and accounting and whatever, marketing, sponsorship, yeah. sales. But they also have on the teams themselves, the, you know, the crew members, the engineers. Mm -hmm. there's, there's just a lot, a lot of things that people can do yeah. in motorsports. And, and one thing I did want to mention when you were talking about the drivers, um, it's interesting. Lynn St. James, who is amazing and has yeah. become a dear friend of mine in my new role. Um, that's been one of the huge blessings of my new role. But um, she has, she points out that motorsports is one of the few sports, or maybe it's the only sport where women can compete head to head with men. Correct. And, you know, you don't, it, it, it's the same. It's not like in basketball where you're not tall as tall or strong or whatever it is. They really can compete. And that is so exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so absolutely. It is, it is a terrific uh, sport for people in a number of broad areas, as you pointed out. So yeah. back to your thing of uh, comment from a moment ago, just go to a race, experience yeah. it, and you might get the bug. And if you do, you can be a fan for life or you can also make it part of your career. Right. Absolutely. So I met Beth Peretta when I was at the event. And of course, she's a Michigander. So I love that. Oh, yeah. She's her. another amazing woman. Yeah, she really is. 
And so I was excited to be able to meet her and we're going to have her on the podcast here in another few weeks or so. But um, so many women who have taken, you know, taken the sport and just really advanced what they're doing and are showing other women that it's possible. And I think that's something that's important too, because, you know, we, we look we, we think we know what we want to do. And so we're looking at mentors or people who might be leading the way for us or younger women. And, right. and there's, there's women like Beth and, and yourself and yeah, definitely, definitely Lynn St. James who have broken some barriers and who have paved the way for other people. And I just love talking to those women. I love hearing their stories because it's not always been easy. Um, you know, I talked to young, a young gal that's a reporter and she said, I had to work for free for a while. I had to do internships. I did this and this and this till finally I had the opportunity and I showed all the things I had done. And so, you know, you have, you have to decide what you want to do and then just go for it. Yeah, totally agree. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to say it. Yeah. So Cindy, what, what have I not asked you about? Cause there's so many things about your company that I don't know about. So I may not be asking all the right questions, but what are some things that I haven't asked you about that you'd like to share either about what you do or Penske entertainment, or do you have any exciting announcements to make something fun that's coming up? <laughs> you know what I would like to share? Cause I think this is really important. Sure. Um, Roger bought the company in January of 2020. And I didn't say earlier, my, my original role, I was chief administrative officer and chief financial officer for um, Holman and Company. And um, so I had HR, IT, accounting, finance, I had real estate and oversaw some companies. So that was, you know, kind of what I did. It was a, a mismatch of stuff. Uh, but anyway, um, one of my roles being CFO. So he buys the company in January and in March COVID hit. And you can imagine, we talked about, we didn't have the race that year. It was in August no. uh, with no fans. And uh, I, I just can't describe strongly enough what a financial hit that was. It was, oh, a I can't even imagine. Unbelievably significant financial hit. So in the summer, um, and, and Roger, I mean, he never, he was always so calm and, you know, working through things. But anyway, he came in and said, I really need you to put together cash flow for this year. For a while, we couldn't even do it because we didn't know what was happening. You know, you right. could guess we had A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever scenarios. Right. So now we kind of had a sense. And I put the cash flow for 2020 and 2021 together. And it was, you know, it's ugly. And he came in and shut the door of my office. It was just the two of us. And I said, well, you know, here it is. And walked through it. And he looked at it quite for a minute. He said, well, it is what it is. He says, what matters is the long-term. We're going to get through this. And that was it. And uh, anyway, so that's amazing. So to sort of follow on to that, what did he do in the face of COVID? Mm -hmm. um, he invested like 15 million, he's invested over $20 million in the motor speedway, just in improvements around the facility. It looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
from what he did, you know, at Gate One and Georgetown Road and the flags everywhere. And I, I mean, I just could go on and on and on. The, the lawn looks like Augusta. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, we just announced that we extended our agreement with NBC to broadcast yes. the series. Right. We also recently announced that NTT uh, signed on, um, you know, additional years mm -hmm. as the title sponsor for IndyCar. Um, we announced the race for equality and change. And so Roger is investing in increasing diversity yeah. uh, in IndyCar. Um, we've gotten a number of uh, new sponsors who, who are supporting us. We did the race in Nashville yes. for the first time. You know, there are just so many positive things that he's done. And, and I think it's important to understand, you know, a lot of people would have said, I just lost my shirt. Do you think I'm going to... Right. invest and um and he's investing it and he's investing for the future and it's just a beautiful thing well and the thing about him he's been in business long enough to know that there are peaks and valleys and so for someone with his kind of passion and his business sense he knows that it's not covid's not going to be here forever it's not going to shut us down forever so in 2020 when he was looking at those horrible numbers he also knew that that was the the valley and that it's going to peak again because it always does yeah. and to yes i can't even i can't even imagine what those numbers were because you couldn't sell tickets or beer or food or parking or hotels and i mean i can't even imagine and yet to be able to just say it is what it is we're going to move forward and we're going to make it bigger and better. And look what he's done. And now, you know, yeah. in 2022, we're hoping that 300,000 people will be able to come to the race and hopefully we get our hard cards back because yeah. they've been stingy all across all yes. about that. <laughs> That's the worst thing. I've just missed my hard card so bad. I can but, understand those are yes. Yeah. I think that they'll be back. They'll be back. So 2022, we'll have our hard cards back. We'll have our fans back and we'll have, we'll be selling t-shirts and all kinds of fun stuff. And we're going to make it bigger and better to offset what happened. And, and, you know, it's like in my heart, I want to say, I want to, I want to reward Roger for sticking with it. And so I'm going to buy whatever I can to do my part. You know what I mean? Because it's oh, like, he's stuck I with it. Now I want to be supportive of him. I know. It's just, yeah, he, he's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So you're the chief strategy officer. Yeah. What does that exactly mean? <laughs> what do you do? Well, the, the background on it is um, I have worked really long hours my whole career. And when I say it, I, I mean, I'm talking pretty much, you know, I get into work at seven, I'd leave at seven and I'd work part of the day on Saturday and Sunday. And then sometimes in the evenings, you know, you get phone calls. So I'm talking a lot of hours and, right. um, and I did it cause I loved it. I mean, I've done that my whole career, but I was ready to not work so, so much. And um, so I was talking to Roger and Mark about it. And I said, you know, really, I, I think everything's, you know, now we've got, I knew what my key role and, and goal was when I started. And so now we had 
sold all the rest of the businesses and sold that business to Roger and everything was in a good place. And I have my little grandbaby that I could barely see because I was working so many hours. And I just said, you know, I think I'm, I'm ready to move on. And um, three or four months in uh, back and forth, Roger said, well, you know what, why don't you stay and stay in a part-time role? So you have your flexibility and you'll be chief strategy officer and, um, you know, we'll figure out projects, et cetera. So the first part of it, I really spent transitioning. And I have to be honest, he was a very smart man. It took a lot longer to transition. I had a lot of different areas and it didn't go all to one person. It went to different people. Um, so that was, you know, once again, shows his brilliance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but so getting that done and then, you know, working on uh, special projects that come up. And my, my favorite project that I work on is women in motorsports. And that's how I was a, a liaison to Lynn St. James. Um, I'm on the Inclusivity and Diversity Council for ACUS. That's how I got involved with Cindy Sisson and the Women with Drive. Yeah. So all of those things. And that's been absolutely terrific. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what a wonderful, as far as I'm concerned, a wonderful project to be involved in. Because oh, yeah. That's what Just I'm trying it. to do. I'm trying to show women that it's motorsports is for them as well. And that's what you're doing. And so I just see in, you know, the event that we went to and just different things, I just see the future for women in motorsports to be so much bigger and, and better for the women, you know, for a while, when I first started in 2017, even, you know, you would hear stories about, you know, kid, girls getting wrecked on the track. In fact, uh, my granddaughter's race and my one granddaughter got ran into the wall because she was leading. She was in third place and a 50 some year old man was in fourth place and he didn't like that she was beating him and she was 13 years old and he literally ran her into the side, the wall of the track. And so, okay, I, that's not good. I saw, oh. I, I saw and heard stories like that from women and girls because the men weren't quite ready for that some of them most of them were okay with it it only took one but I I see I've seen such a change over the last even couple of years even with COVID in there yeah the women are just another race car driver they're just accepted more and more and more and And that, you know, it's, I, I talk to girls all the time and interview them and they say, you know, I really haven't had any issues. And the one girl said to me, oh, the women that I race with are way worse than the men. And so it was like, hmm, interesting. So I feel so hopeful and so, oh, I can't even, I don't know what the word is for the future of women in motorsports. You know, I, I'm not I do too. I think the that. change, you really feel it right now. I think you really it, do. We've got a lot of positives all moving in the right direction. We really do. It's exciting. It is exciting. It really is very exciting. So what, what's your hope and dreams for women in motorsports? I would say my biggest hope and dream is that more women do discover motorsports and get into it and that we see not only women drivers but as you described earlier women in every aspect Mm -hmm. of motorsports yeah I agree 
Well, Cindy, I appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy gal and you have other things going on today, which I appreciate that you carved out some time for me. And um, I will definitely stay in touch and I will see you for sure at the Indy 500 in 2022, if not before. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me today, Melinda. It was my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Couldn't produce this podcast without our many sponsors. So at this time, let's take a listen to one of our amazing partners. Have you ever received a card from me? Well, this is why I send cards. Cards are like a vehicle that carry a piece of you into the heart of another person. Upon its arrival, it releases a shot of dopamine into the brain, which puts a smile on the receiver's heart. It's a tool that allows me to stand out in the crowd and be remembered and be liked for being a nice person. I do not send the card with the expectation of anything in return. However, it's a natural human reaction for certain people to say thank you. They don't always say thank you, and that's okay. But I do get thank yous for cards sent years ago when I see the people in person. They tell me they've been waiting to thank me for years and that they still have their card hanging up and they smile every time they see it. This is why I send cards and using send out cards is the best tool on the planet. To learn more, contact Melinda at IWMANation at gmail.com and send your first card for free. Thank you for listening to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Follow us on Facebook at International Women's Motorsports Association or on Instagram and Twitter at the IWMA Nation. And if you know someone that should be on our show, drop us an email at IWMA Nation at gmail.com.